Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. So today I want to talk to you about the Sabbath, Sabbath. And here's the deal, on any given weekend in preparation of a message and in communicating a message, there are always sections that I know for a fact that I am preaching to myself too, uh, not just to the congregation. Uh, this sermon, I'd say about 90% of it, I'm preaching to me too. And uh, because this is an area of my life that I, I haven't always had balance in. Uh, but I do believe that God has asked us uh, to, to approach this with teachability and humility and to ask how we can adjust who we are and how we live to fit the model that he gave us. Uh, I want you to know that this is a grace from God. This is an opportunity. This is not law. This is not obligation. Uh, I will say also, though, that uh, some of us, we Sabbath too much. We Sabbath all the time. And, and I think that God would say to you, possibly, no. Uh, before I did anything else for Adam, I gave him a job. Uh, before I gave him a girlfriend, I gave him a job. And some of y'all need to figure out what that rhythm looks like for your life and then apply everything else I'm getting ready to talk about today. But I find that the large majority of us as believers, Christians in the United States of America, uh, people in general, we have a tendency to not have a Sabbath, not have a biblical rest in the Lord. How many of you have at least one kid? How many have a kid, okay? How many of you have two kids? How many of you have three kids? Okay, how many of y'all have four kids? Come on, where are my people at? If you have more than four, I'm not even gonna ask. I'm just gonna tell you, please come to the altar after the service because we know you need prayer. <laughs> Raising kids is not easy, but you find out, you know, when you have kids, you have your first kid, it changes everything. It changes your whole rhythm. It changes how you're doing everything. Uh, it, it cracks me up from time to time when I talk to young people uh, that maybe they're newly married or they're not married yet, but they don't have any kids and they talk about how busy they are. I'm just so busy. I'm like, Billy, though, no. are you though? Because y'all know as soon as you have a kid, it's like, oh my goodness. Like you never understood how much work it is taking care of another human. Like, you never knew that anybody would ever need more outfits than you. Like, and, and you've got to pack 10 of them. you got to pack 10 of them because you know you'll go through every single one of them by the time you pull into the parking lot at church, not even get into the building. Like, it's, it's work. That's just with one kid. But here's the thing. When you have one kid, after a little while, it's like, all right, I got this. Get in a little bit of a rhythm. Then it's kind of like a cool accessory that you get to dress up and... You know, you, you, you get into this rhythm where it doesn't feel so overwhelming until you have two. And then once you have two, it's like it changes everything again, especially if you have the first two close together. Our first two were 17 months apart. Whew, that was a challenge. But I want to just talk about one of the many different pieces of, of equipment that you have for your babies, all right? Uh, the particular piece of equipment I want to talk about is a pacifier. Okay, now, because here's the thing. When you have one kid, you just have one kid, and they have a pacifier. If that pacifier drops to the ground, you're going to put on safety gloves. You're going to have some sort of biohazard material bag that you're going to put that in, and then you're going to take that pacifier somewhere where it can be incinerated because that pacifier will never touch your baby ever again. That's with one kid. Two kids. Two kids, that pacifier, it falls out and hits the ground. You're going to be a little concerned, right? You're going to pick it up. You're probably going to go rinse it off, wash it off a little bit, but then you're going to stick that pacifier right back in that baby's mouth. Three kids, 
please. You got three kids, that pacifier hits the ground. You're just gonna pick that thing up. You do one of these suckers and then you just stick it right back in their mouth. Like you care a little bit, like I'll just knock the, the dirt and the gravel off, you know, but I'm gonna put it back in there. By the time you have four kids, you've understood at that point, the most loving thing I can do as a parent is to continue to build their immune system. So you don't even worry about brushing nothing off. You just stick it back in there. It's like, I love you. You're going to have a strong immune system. You need all those germs. My point is this. Eventually, you learn what is most important. You learn what is essential. Because at one point or another, you have enough kids, you will find yourself in seasons where you are just trying to survive. So when I watch a family coming up through the parking lot up towards the church and they got four kids and they're dressed and they all got shoes on, I'm like, you are a champion. You are winning at life at one of the highest levels that any human being can, can live life. But you figure out what's most important. And so we've had this series, we, we had it and we, we talked through essentials of faith, but I've got to circle back to it because I have a personal conviction about this particular essential that I don't want to overlook, that is incredibly important. When we talk about these essentials, these foundations of our faith, what we're really talking about is the things that help us be formed by Jesus so that we aren't formed by the world. It's the things that we apply in our lives that are a resistance, a proactive resistance against the rhythm, against the standard and the formation of the world. If we don't find ourselves being changed by the simple essential formations of our faith into the likeness of Christ, Instead of being able to change the world, we'll be changed by the world and become ineffective. And so we have to look at these things. What are the most important essentials of our faith? And I think when we talk about the world, we're not talking about creation. We're talking about the systems and the powers and the way of the world that is attempting to undermine God's design and plan for his creation, including us. That's what we're talking about. So the world, if you will, is everything that's trying to keep me and you from the full life that God gives us through his son, Jesus. That's what the world's trying to do. And our weapons for spiritual warfare are spiritual practices. They're these essentials of our faith. So we've talked about some of these prayer reading the word, the gathering of saints in biblical community, both in places like this, but in people's homes and around tables. But what if I told you that one of the best and most powerful ways to resist the pattern of this world and to pursue God is through the practice of consistent rest? What if rest could be one of your most effective weapons in spiritual warfare? Some of you are like, I like how this is sounding. And the truth is, it is the most fun. It is a blessing. But I'm not talking about it the way we define it sometimes. I'm talking about the way the word defines it. Sabbath. What does this look like? Let's go back to one of the original texts where God was challenging his people around the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. Okay, so I want to stop there again. I don't want to challenge anybody who Sabbaths all the time. Work. Get a job. Work. Be productive. You are missing out on some of God's blessing because you're not working. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to heave any amount of condemnation or shame on those that don't work. 
I'm moving on now, but I just want to make it clear. Work, okay? Moving on. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your livestock. This is a different culture back then, okay? So thank God we're moving beyond a lot of these things. Uh, hopefully you're, you're not worried about your livestock taking a day off. But any of your foreign, any, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. How many of y'all know God doesn't need to rest? Like, there's never been a time God's like, man, I just, oh, a little sleepy today. That's never happened. That's, God doesn't need. So he did this to set an example for us. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Have you ever wanted something really, really bad? Like, like you wanted it so bad that you convinced yourself and maybe others around you that it wasn't just a want. This was an inherent need in your soul. Like you have to have this. And so you saved and you sacrificed and you did whatever you could to obtain that. Have you ever had something like that? Like it was a truck, man. You just wanted this truck. And so you finally convinced your spouse that you needed this truck. Like I need a truck. How else can I haul stuff? How can I, you know, you told them you're going to help friends move. You never did that. But you told them that you were going to do all these things, you know, all the ways. Like I'm going to kill all my deer. How am I going to haul it around? You know, all this stuff. And so you get it, you save, and you buy that truck. And it is perfect for about a month. And then you start looking at the truck, and you're like, you know, really, to enable to get back there where all the deer are in the deer woods, I could use some bigger tires. And I can't really put the tires on one on those wheels. I mean, that won't look right. So I probably need some wheels, and then I'm going to need a lift kit, and then I'm going to need, and then before you know it, it's just never enough. You got a new duck hunting jacket. It's what you wanted forever, but it's a little bit different camo than your, your bibs, your waders. So, I mean, you've clearly got to get the waders to match the jacket. I mean, why wouldn't you? But since you got all that, man, my shotgun doesn't really, it just doesn't look good right now with all that. And you men are like, quit picking on us. What about the women? Oh, I could go on for days and days on that one. Come on, ladies. It's amazing how many accessories you find out you need just because you got an outfit, right? What's the point? The point is you always need more. More. One of the first signs if you're going to teach a baby any sign language, one of the first signs you teach a baby is more. More. What are we doing to ourselves? Do you want more? You want more? Like, so from an early age, we're already programming them. If you want more, we'll get you more. You want more? More? We're trying. Why do we do this? Because we're trying to satisfy an infinite desire with a finite object. And it can't satisfy us. It never will. St. Augustine of Hill said it this way. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. Here's the problem, though. The world, the systems, it exists to throw gasoline on the problem of desire. It does this through social media and through marketing and advertising, more, more, more. And that becomes the supreme ethic of the world especially in America, especially in our country. The Sabbath is for restoring rest to a restless soul and also as a proactive resistance against the restless pace of the world. That's why it's such an important gift from God. And here's the thing, if we want the power of Jesus, and I hope that all of us want that, if we want the power of Jesus active in our life, then we also have to adopt the practices of Jesus. 
in our life. And Jesus would Sabbath. John Tyson said it this way, Sabbath enables us to live under Jesus's yoke and not the yoke of culture. Because the truth is all of us are gonna live under a yoke. We've talked about what the yoke is. Well, practically, physically, it was in Bible times, it was this big piece of wood that would tie oxen typically together that would help them pull loads together, pull a plow, pull a wagon, something like that, okay? But in Jewish culture, it was also referring to a rabbi's teaching. That was their yoke. What was their yoke? That would, what kind of teaching did they have? And so, you know, some rabbis would be like, man, their yoke is really tough and it's, it's real strict. And, and, and Jesus talked about his yoke. He said, my yoke is easy. It's not ill-fitting. It's never gonna rub you. I, the yoke that I have for you, my message, my word for you is something that will empower you. There is a yoke. There is a burden but it'll never be ill-fitting. It'll never feel unbearable. It'll empower you to live life and life to the full. The Sabbath is choosing to live under Christ's yoke, his way, his teaching. So a couple things about the Sabbath, something that it is not. What it is not, first of all, it's not a response to brokenness. This is a rhythm that God established from the very beginning of time even before the fall of men. Before sin existed, God tried to put this into place. It's something intended from the beginning to bring about human success and flourishing. It's a gift from God. Something else it's not, it's not a day off. It's not the same thing. It's, it's not just another day to lay around and Netflix bench. That's not what it is. Some of you are like, man, you just bummed me out so bad. It's also not a day to catch up. It's not a day to do all your house chores. It's more than that. It's also not a requirement. It's not an essential of our faith. It's not required for salvation. It's not required to participate in the things of God. It does, however, enable you to see his kingdom come and his will be done in a more powerful way in your life. So what it is, in Hebrew, it's the word Shabbat. It means to cease, to stop work. It was originally practiced from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And during that time frame of 24 hours, there was no work done each week. It was set aside as holy. It was separate from the other six days. It was, it's meant to reorient ourselves, to rest and enjoy God and everything that he's created. It's a day to do things that bring you real life, that bring life. So why should we practice it? Because if you practice it, your productivity is actually gonna go way up. Your quality of life goes way up. Your chance for burnout goes way down. I think one of the ways we, why we should practice, because it's really honestly an easy first step of obedience in aligning ourselves with God's original intent and design. Like there's other things around our faith and spiritual disciplines. Honestly, they're called disciplines. They're not easy, okay? I think this is a spiritual discipline, but if you think about it, it's like one of the easiest spiritual disciplines. Like the way I get good at this spiritual discipline is to rest intentionally. That sounds pretty good to me. It's a time when we also though emphatically declare I am not the Lord of my universe and I'm gonna trust him. And I think honestly, that's one of the, the most important reasons why we do it because even as believers, as Christ followers in our, our country, we have a tendency to put a lot of different things on the throne of our lives unintentionally. Generally speaking, we overwork and we underrest. And as Americans, it's like we wear busyness as a badge of honor. Like we brag about how many hours a week we work. We brag about how many emails we're taking care of, how packed our schedule is. And we almost talk about it with like an air of pride. And why? I think for me, sometimes when I've been in that space, it's because I feel like if I'm not busy, then somehow I'm not important. 
John Ortberg said it this way. Busyness is not just a disordered schedule. It is a disordered heart. When we're busy and we let busyness drive our lives, there's a part of who God created to be that is out of order. It's not in the right rhythm that he created for us. I want you to know, like I've already mentioned, I'm not standing here as someone who has overcome or is immune, if you will, to the culture of being a workaholic or burnout. Truth is, I am in a long and ever-evolving process of recovery. And I have been through the ebbs and flows in different seasons of my life when I've done this well and other seasons where I allow life and the busyness of life to suck me back to a place that isn't healthy again. So we can all learn together. There's a season in ministry, one of probably the, the most damaging and one of the times that God really started waking me up about this area that I needed to, to grow and learn in. Uh, we were directing and leading a school within our church and I was in recruiting mode. We had a bunch of new students coming in and I was trying to get everything planned and set up for the year. And I had res- other responsibilities at a couple of our campuses. And so I was working probably 55 hours plus just in church ministry work every week. And then we were remodeling a house. And if you ever consider remodeling a house, let me just tell you, don't. It is, it, it's, just, it's just one of the most horrible things, honestly, to deal with. Unless you just love it, unless you just feed off of it and gives you energy, that's great. God bless you. But for me, it was a horrible decision. And so I would do all the work at church, and then I would go home and stay up until late at night remodeling this house. And honestly, I felt like, man, I'm crushing it. Look at how I'm able to keep all this stuff going. Look, look how strong I am. But on the inside, I was starting to break and cracks were starting to show. And before I knew it, I had an all out nervous breakdown burnout. Next thing I know, I am literally in fetal position on the floor of the kitchen, the house we're remodeling, barely able to breathe, weeping, not able to talk. Cody is standing over me. She's kind of freaking out because she'd never seen me like that before. Why? Because that's not how God designed me to live. That's not what he had for me. I'd taken on a lot of things that were good and then abandoned the things that were God and it was breaking me. And all of us have a tendency to do that. So what is the Sabbath for? The Sabbath is for our liberation. It liberates us. Back to verse eight, chapter 20 of Exodus. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord. Okay, so we read this already, but let's go to the passage, this passage in context to who it was being spoken to and when, because this is being spoken to the Israelites and they had just been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They had been there in captivity for 400 years. They were property of the Egyptians. So their sole purpose in life was to work and toil, to strive, to produce, to please Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. And there was no end to this, no end to the demands of the Egyptians because slaves don't get a day off. So they aren't given any rest. They work and are driven until the day they die. And that's how it had been for them. So this is one of the commands, first things that God tells them, we gotta get this back in alignment. In a book by John Mark Comer, he said it this way, they were slaves to an empire that had been devouring human beings, one brick, one pyramid, one edifice at a time. For centuries, an empire with an appetite so ravenous that they had to build store cities just to store all the extra stuff, an empire driven by the lust for more. Doesn't this sound eerily familiar to the culture we're living in? You believe that? They actually built whole cities just to store all the extra stuff they had. And some of you are like, yeah, that's crazy. Have any of you ever had a storage unit before? This is one of the things when I've been in third world countries, it's one of the hardest things to try to explain to somebody in a third world country. 
there's a few things. First of all, they're baffled that we use drinking water to water grass. And that we have grass that doesn't feed animals. And that we have a house for our cars. But when I start telling them about storage units, they just can't even understand it. They can't wrap their mind around it. Like you literally have a house for all your extra stuff. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people do. 2.3 billion square feet of storage units in our nation. Enough to have seven square feet for every man, woman, and child in America. So I wonder, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because I've been in seasons where we had to store stuff. I, I, I get all that. I'm just wondering though, if enough of these things add up to an indication that maybe we are laboring and toiling and striving endlessly and even unintentionally, it's because we're trying to appease the gods of our culture. God's like the God of wealth, where we work endlessly to accumulate more and more, but, but how much is enough? Always just a little bit more. Or the gods of success, where we strive endlessly to achieve acclaim and fame and status to get to the top of the pile. Or the gods of image, where we're driven by the filters and social media and making sure that the world at least has the perception that we have it together. Diets and working out and all these things. And there's a lot of them, honestly, a lot of these gods of our culture. But the one true God, Yahweh says, I've come to give you rest from that slavery. I did what I did through my son, Jesus. I've come to liberate you to give you freedom. In the New Testament, when we think of liberation, we think of sin. And even for those of us that have a pretty firm understanding of the grace of God, we would still be willing to admit there's some areas that we probably have some work to do. The problem when it comes to not resting or overworking or working to prove ourselves or working on our image so much is that these things are nearly universally celebrated by everyone around us. Like this is the way you do it. Like we don't look at them as an issue to overcome. We just look at them as an accepted part of our life. But in reality, they're taking our freedom. We think that when we achieve whatever we're aiming at, that we're free but the truth is that target's always moving. So we're never free, never rich enough, never successful enough, never attractive enough. So the Sabbath is again, active resistance against these gods. I'm not gonna sow into my flesh that way. I'm not going to find my identity and how much I achieve, accumulate or produce. I am not what I do. I am who I belong to and I belong to Christ Jesus. It's remembering that he keeps the world going, not me. Knowing that he's in control and I'm not, man, there's amazing liberation and freedom in that. Sabbath is also for rest and worship. Hebrews 4, 9. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God, for all who have entered into God's rest, have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Sabbath is about rest. It's a special rest waiting for you to enter into the presence of God. Okay, so that's the difference between a day off and a Sabbath. A day off, you may not be thinking about, this is my opportunity to specifically and intentionally spend more time in the presence of God. And honestly, I'll admit, I struggle with this. Like, what does that mean? Like to, to, to be in the presence of God, like there are things that obviously help align our spirit and align our thinking and our minds with God. But, but I've tried before, like, 
man, I'm just going to spend all day listening to worship music and praying. But honestly, that was more exhausting than anything else I was doing. Like, I'm just not wired that way. I, love, I think it's great. Some people, they're wired that way. Like, that will be a Sabbath for them. They will literally put on Bethel music and just listen to it all day long or Maverick City music and just listen to it all day long and pray for the nations in alphabetical order. And, like, they'll just do the whole thing. And they're going to feel really charged at the end of that day. Not me. But I find that it's the quality more than the quantity. And I just need to give God some focused quality time in prayer, in worship. But I also find that God sees worship sometimes differently than we do. He sees a prayer differently than we do. And we think that we gotta stop and even use different words than we normally use when we pray. But the truth is this, a prayer can be any action or deliberate movement that is still putting him at the center to get the glory. What if worship is more than just music and songs? Worship is bringing something of worth. What if worship is actually also done through enjoyment with our focus on him as the one that provides everything we enjoy. What if that is worship too? And that way, nature and enjoying nature can be worship. Our families, our hobbies, creativity, thank you Jesus, food, all these things can be worshiped. I love that. Like one of the things that the Bible talks about when it comes to heaven is there's a banquet table, buffet for eternity. Well, it says we're gonna worship him forever. And if he's talking about a banquet table, clearly putting down some good food is worship. Come on now. I'm thankful for that. God is so good. God is good. Sabbath is not keeping rules in order to become acceptable to God. It is about resting in the acceptance and love that God has freely given and enjoying all that he has given us. Everything he's already given us, our families, friends, even the world around us. Before I get practical and just give you a couple suggestions for your Sabbath, I wanna say this. If you grab the rule of this, but you don't grasp the spirit of it, it won't restore anything in your life. It won't restore you or your family. It'll become another obligation. But I wanna give you some suggestions. Okay, for me, one of the ways that I intentionally approach Sabbath is I try to limit screen time on my Sabbath. Not because God is mad when I'm on social media, it's because I know that social media is one of the things that's robbing me of mental rest. It's robbing me of that. So I limit that. I, I, I try to make sure that I have some structure to that day, but I don't want to be rigid. So I also have some time that's completely unplanned during that day. I also have some time where I'm compl comp contemplative, where I'm just praying, reflecting. Time in nature. Sometimes I put my hobby and that together. I'll play some golf. But get outside. Get your vitamin D. Enjoy God's creation. We got pretty clean air here in Arkansas. Get out and breathe it in. Spend some time looking at the detail of God's creation and let it resonate his plan and his design for your life too. And then relational time with family, with friends, eat good food, laugh, just relax and enjoy. Look, there's a lot of areas in my life where I stay pretty disciplined in. Uh, one is my health. One is my health. Uh, and, and so because of that, because here's the thing, I know that me having a strong immune system enables me to continue to do what God has for me effectively. 
if I don't have a strong immune system, I don't take care of my health, then, you know, things can happen and things that I can't control. But what I can control, I'm going to be a good steward of it because if I don't have a good immune system and I get sick, it's going to take me out of the game. And then I'm not able to fulfill the things that God has for me. Okay? And so I'm careful, like, with what I eat and, and, and all that. But on my day off, on my Sabbath, I go a little bit wild. I might just go ahead and drink that cherry Coca-Cola with that 50 grams of sugar in it. Because I know the Lord knows my heart. And I think he gives me grace for those times just to enjoy. Things that I like to enjoy. But I think it is about my heart and it's about my motive and it's about it's about just being grateful about the things he does give that are good and even taste good. The, Sabbaths, the Sabbath is a reminder of Christ's work for us. Christ's work for us. Mark 2, 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath is made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Man, that is good news for anybody that struggles with a legalistic or judgmental spirit. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the, heart, over the Sabbath. Okay, what does that mean? This is Jesus communicating to some Pharisees who are getting on to his disciples because they picked some heads of grain and were chewing on them on the Sabbath. Because the law said you can't take any harvest. You can't work on the Sabbath. So just walking along, having a conversation, taking a head of wheat and, and chewing on the seeds. And, and these religious Pharisees see it and they're like, oh, 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 oh. Breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. And I love how Jesus comes right at them. You don't get it. The Sabbath is, is a gift from God. It's to meet your needs not to set you up to think that there's something you can do that can meet the standard of God. And by the way, Jesus says, I'm the Lord over that because I'm gonna pay the price so that there can be freedom and liberation in it. The gospel is not about what God wants from you it's about what God has already done for you. And Sabbath is just a day when we remember and rest in the work that Christ has already done for us. Why do we strive so much the way that we do? It's almost like there is a work beneath our work. Like there's also not just the physical work that we're doing, but there's this work to try to prove to ourselves and those around us that we're enough, that we're strong enough, self-sufficient enough, hardworking enough. But the gospel is that Jesus came to set us free from all of that. That's the gospel from our system of self-redemption. That's what Jesus came to set us free from. From things like this idea that if we work hard enough and earn enough, then we can rest. Or if we're perfect in our image and get enough affirmation and you do that enough, then you can rest. Or if you climb to the top of your field of work and admire for your work, like the top dog in your office, then you can rest. But the Sabbath is a call to shut down these ideas and systems of self-redemption and here is why. These systems are our way of sitting on the throne of judgment of our own lives. I love what Paul said about this, though. In 1 Corinthians 4.3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by a human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. He's saying this. I don't care what they think about me because they don't sit on the judgment seat of my life. I also really don't care that much about what I think about me because I don't sit on the judgment seat of my life. I care about what Christ thinks about me. He sits on the judgment seat of my life and he has already labeled me approved and accepted. Whew. 
Jesus, help us get it. The Sabbath is resting simply because you are a human being who's not perfect, who's broken, and who is sinful, but who is loved and redeemed. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and known and accepted by the creator of the universe and enjoying him and his creation is a part of his plan and purpose. The Sabbath. So I think there's really only two questions you have to ask yourself about this subject, and and then you respond. First of all, God, what are you saying to me about the Sabbath? What are you saying to me? Number two, what do you want me to do about it? Okay, but here's the thing. I know how so many of our brains are working because right now we're already, we're doing the math. We're already thinking about our week. You're like, what in the world? This man crazy. So unrealistic. How can I take 24 hours and do nothing related to anything that has to do with work? Well, I don't know how your life looks. I would suggest this. Maybe you don't have it because you have too much. Maybe you don't have that time because you've created more work for yourself than God intended for you to have. Maybe you don't have that time because there's other things or other people that have become a bigger priority in your life than God has become. I would say this. We all only have 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time, but I knew this. When I trust God in any area of my life, it won't just affect my Sabbath day. You, whenever you let God grow you in an area of your life, it doesn't just affect that one area. It will spread and grow and affect every other area of your life. And so what I've found is even though I only have 24 hours in a day, when I'm trusting God and I'm putting him first in things like the Sabbath and things like tithing and things like my, my Bible study and prayer, when I'm putting God first in those things, it is amazing how much more effective he makes me in the 24 hours I have. All of a sudden I have creative ideas and conviction and wisdom about things that I can get rid of or shift around or move so that I can keep the main thing the main thing. Keep what's most important, most important. And so I don't know what this looks like. I would just encourage you to do this. Go before the Lord with an open, teachable, and humble heart and say, God, this was in your original design for me to Sabbath, to rest in you. Thank you. You're a good God. And because I know you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I know that my culture and my schedule and my work has not caught you off guard. I know that you are not surprised. And because I know that you are still sovereign and you are in control, help me see how I can live in this unforced rhythm of your grace. Help me to find this time. And I believe that if you'll approach him with that, he's gonna help you practically how to find this time. And I promise you this, if you will find the time, he will bless the rest. He does it every time. He does it every time. But I would say this, 24 hours, like that seems like, holy. <laughs> What? Start with a smaller amount of time and just say, okay, I'm gonna honor God with this and, I, and this amount of time, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna be intentional. I'm gonna be practical. I'm gonna apply these principles towards that amount of time. Watch what happens because I believe you're gonna be able to increase that time. And then eventually you're gonna find yourself with a full day where you honor God with the Sabbath. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. One of the most important things about the Sabbath is, is that resistance to culture and resistance to the things that culture and, and the world around us finds their identity in. And, and for, for 
all of us that are believers, this is one of the most practical ways that we can realign and reorient ourselves in understanding our identity in Christ. But that's for believers. That's for people that at least at one point or another have surrendered to him. Seeing that that we can't do it on our own. (coughs) Confess that we're broken. Confess that we're sinners. Confess that we need a savior. Confess that we can't be the Lord of our own lives if we wanna have purpose and life and life to the full. And even for those of us that have done that, it's difficult to, to sometimes walk in the identity that he has for us, for the, the provision that he has for us. But for anybody who's never surrendered to him, people that have never truly found a genuine relationship with him, and surrendered their lives to him, they, Honestly, at that point, you're still under the curse. You're under the structure and and you'll find yourself a slave to the system of this world. There's not a lot of hope or peace or rest in that place. And so I wanna make sure that every person in this room is given an opportunity to make the most important first step and that is coming to Jesus, surrendering your life to him, confessing that you need a savior. And if you're here today and you've, you've not done that, you have no confidence about where you stand in relationship with God. You don't have any sense of his love and acceptance for you, much less a plan and a purpose that he would have for your life. And maybe you've just never done that or maybe you, you felt like you did and maybe you even felt like it was genuine at one point or another, but it's been a long time least prevalent season of your life where you haven't felt his presence. You you don't feel close to him at all right now. You you feel distant from him and and you know in your heart that that you need to come to him. So I just want to give anybody who's in that place today an opportunity to come to him. He loves you. He's been waiting on you. He does have a plan for your life. He does have peace and rest, fulfillment, life and life to the full available to you. And he gives you an invitation to respond, to accept the free gift of salvation paid for by his son, Jesus. And if you're here today and you know you need that, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond as a, with a free act of your will in faith, just to say, I admit it, I need him. So nobody's looking around, but that's you right now. Cross this room, put your hand up. Say, I need it, Pastor James. I got you, bro. I need a relationship with Jesus. Thank you, guys. Yes, man. Got you, bro. Yes, sir. I'm away from Jesus and I need him. I need a relationship with God. Yes, sir. Got you. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm away from him. I got you, buddy. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I need him. Thank you, man. I got you. Thank you. Thanks for being bold. Anybody else? I need Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm away from him and I need him. I'm ready to surrender my life to him as my Lord and Savior. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I want you to know that you raising your hand is not what gets you saved. But I know from my own experience, when I do something physically of my own free will to, to respond to God, it, it just, it releases faith in me. It releases just his grace to be active. And so that, that's the reason why I'm asking you to do it. But I just sense in my spirit, there's somebody being really stubborn right now because maybe you feel like you've, you've made this decision before or you've, you've put on this, this mask that you've got it together. Maybe you've come to church for a long time, but in reality, in your heart right now, you know that you're away from him. And I just wanna encourage you, you don't have to raise your hand to get saved, but I would love for you to have the opportunity to experience that grace to hit you, 
And if you're the stubborn person, I get it. I'm stubborn too, but this is not the right time to be stubborn. This is the right time to respond and accept what God is trying to give you. Is there anyone else? I'm just away from God. I need him. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Father God, I thank you for every one of those hands. I thank you, Lord, that you see them. You know them. You know their story. You know everything they've been through. And even before they were ever even knit together in their mother's womb, you knew them, you knew their names, you had a plan and a purpose. And I thank you that in this moment right now, they're encountering a living God who loves them. They're encountering a living God who, who's always had a plan and a purpose to restore them, to bring them back to himself. If you raise your hand, I'd encourage you at some point, you need to go public with this decision. You need to declare that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. I'd encourage you to tell somebody as soon as this service is over, go public with this decision through water baptism when given the opportunity. But let's just talk to him right there in your chair and say this, say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. I need you because I can't save myself. But I believe that you, you pay the price. You died on the cross for my sin. You rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, you didn't just die for my sin, but you de defeated my sin. And you defeated death itself when you came back to life. And because of that, I have the hope of heaven. And I'm thankful for that. I thank you that right now I have a joy unspeakable, a, a, the hope of knowing that I'm gonna spend eternity with you. But I also know that there is a life that you came to give me in purpose and a calling. And I wanna live that life. And I know that I can't do that if I'm trying to live life my own way. I can't do that if I haven't surrendered completely to you. And so right now, I do that too. Be the Lord of my life. I want you to have control. And I know that to do that, I can't do things my own way. I can't do things the way the world wants me to do it. I wanna be submitted to your word. I wanna be submitted to the leading of your spirit. I wanna be connected to the body of Christ so I can learn and grow and be challenged into be, being the person that you've called and created me to be. I surrender to you, Lord. Take my life. Take my life, have control. Father, I thank you for every person that just prayed that prayer. Some of them, they've never said it before. Some of them, they're coming back home. And I thank you for them, Lord. Father, as we live in the culture we live in, in the world that we live in, we want to be closer and closer to the, your design, what you have for us. So I thank you that you help us. As a church, you help me as a pastor and as a leader to enter in to your rest. That it would be a daily thing, but God, that we would honor you with the Sabbath. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, give us the wisdom and creativity to find this time with you. It's our heart. It's our heart to give you glory, to, to be obedient to who we are in you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.